Hey, you're back on That's Helpful with me, Ed Stott. I am so happy to have you here. And as we're heading into the new year, it's great to talk through some of these tricky areas of our lives to nail them down so that we hit 2024 rolling with some pace. Today, they say money can't buy you happiness, but Kate Campbell says they're wrong. She's the author of Buying Happiness and the host of the Australian Finance Podcast. She argues that getting better at investing your time and your money can absolutely contribute to how content you are. So how do you do it? Well, that's what we're going to get into today. She's got some really simple things you can work through that are going to make a massive difference to not only your finances, but your happiness and even change the way you think about money. I know I need that. You're going to love this conversation. Before we get into it, though, I want to let you know about something I'm loving for the new year here at That's Helpful. You know, I'm all about the simple shifts that make life immediately easier, healthier, and more enjoyable. That's kind of the point, right? Well, You Foods is one of them. They take the stress out of meal prepping and take on the mental load of making sure your meals are fresh, healthy, and nutritionally balanced. If you're looking to make a healthy shift this year when it comes to your eating and your nutrition, you foods could well be the answer you're looking for. They're always adding new meals and tweaking recipes to keep it even more delicious than ever before. And best of all, there's no cooking, no dishes, no cleanup. Every week you choose from 60 meals, let gourmet chefs whip them up for you and have them delivered to your door fresh never frozen make sure to use my code helpful h-e-l-p-f-u-l for up to two hundred dollars off your first five boxes kate thank you so much for joining me thank you so much for having me ed i'm really excited to talk about this because we were just having a chat before um we started recording but it, it just baffles me that you know so much of the education we get in school you know we know the most complicated maths and long division and Pythagoras theorem and all that stuff that we tend to never really use but we just don't even know you know the basics of finance like compound interest or you know what even inflation is and um, has money though always been your thing have you always kind of been across those kinds of things Oh, I definitely was not interested in finance in high school. I was not investing. I was not saving. (laughs) I was spending everything I earned to my part-time job at KFC. But it wasn't until I started work. I started working a full-time job straight out of high school. And suddenly I went from not having any money and just sort of having pocket money kind of thing to having a full-time job and getting some income. And it wasn't until I did my very first tax return and that was a whole process in working out how does one do a tax return because that's another thing we don't learn in school that I realized, oh, okay, over the last six months, I've actually earned some income. And then I looked at my bank account and I didn't really see anything inside the bank account. (laughs) And I was kind of like, where did it all go? And I'm just looking around going, okay, well, maybe it, it went to this trip and this item on the shelf and this purchase that I'm not really using. And that was sort of that very first twig in my brain that Oh, maybe if something goes wrong, I'd like to have a little bit of money put aside and maybe it would actually be a good idea to save some money. And so that was the very first sort of step when I was 18 that I went, okay, I want to start figuring out my finances. So it definitely wasn't something that happened overnight. It was a slow exploration and I sorted one thing and then each week I slowly put 
one piece of the puzzle together. And that led to me getting interested in investing and working in the finance industry. But it all sort of sparked from that one moment. And often people think that they will magically figure out their finances. And I think that's, we often think that we should know it already because it seems so basic. It seems so fundamental, but because we don't learn these skills in school and because many of our parents don't have the time, knowledge, resources to talk to us about money and most of our friends and family don't have the language to have conversations about money, suddenly we end up at 30 and we realize, oh, I've never had a money conversation. I haven't really thought about what's coming into my bank account, what's coming out. I haven't thought about my future and my goals. And you kind of get to that point of your, why don't I know all of this stuff? And I think what I want to get across to people is you get to that point, you might regret that you didn't start earlier. You might go, why didn't I know all this? But it's not your fault. And we don't learn these skills. And instead of blaming yourself and going, I wish I started investing when I was 18, because yeah, if we could have bought a house 20 years ago, that would have been great. For but sure. We didn't have the resources and knowledge to do that back then. So I think it's important to forgive yourself knowing that you didn't have the resources back then. But now there are so many resources out there that you can slowly t- start to take that first step and begin your own finance journey. And that might just begin with listening to a podcast and heading to the government's Money Smart website and just sort of starting to have a look at what the resources available to you are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that puts so many people off, including me, is that it's it feels like if you don't really know about money and you're not across it, then you're either, you know, one of those people who doesn't bother about money and, you know, kind of just goes with the flow or you're like super invested. You've got stocks, you've got shares, you're permanently watching the FTSE 100, you know, you're, you're all over this stuff. Whereas that's not necessarily true, is it? Because we can do some really simple things that are going to have massive benefits in the long run. Yeah, I think investing sort of being given a a bad press release. I blame men, Kate. (laughs) It it has traditionally been really out of touch. I mean, it's been something that only certain people have done Mm -hmm. and we haven't sort of got the message across to everyone that now it's actually a lot more accessible. Um, Whatever country you're listening from, there is probably an app or a platform in your company country that you can start investing with five dollars or a hundred dollars and it makes it really easy and accessible to get started but it's sort of getting that message across that's really important that you can get started now and that's one of the barriers that stop many people around the world investing is they think they need a lot of money they think they need to be really smart they think they need to know a lot of information but it actually can be really simple Mm -hmm. and the way I like to go about it is just thinking investing at its core is putting money aside for future you into assets and things that are going to grow over time. And one of the things that I like to invest in are companies. And that could be something as small as your local coffee shop. You can just think of that as a business. And maybe it's just got one shareholder. One person owns that business. But there are companies all around the world that have millions of shareholders. And when you buy a piece of that company, you become a shareholder. And so if that company does well over time, you get to benefit from that growth. And it's really powerful to invest because suddenly you're going from being a consumer of the economy to actually an owner of the economy. And I think it really pushes you to be curious and look at the world in a really different light. 
Yeah, that's so true and such a great point. And one of the things um, that I always think about is I, uh, I've made radio documentaries about finance and that kind of thing in the, in the past for the ABC. And one of them we made was about the um, ticker tape, which is like the little machine in the 1920s that people used to read about the stock market from. It was kind of like their, you know, uh, stock uh, app on the on your phone like they would check that they were like hooked on it but like before the 1920s before the stock market crash um and before that financial crisis so everybody invested right like everybody invested on in the stock market and it was just a regular thing that everybody did and i think like to get people more confident in that and see that it's not just a thing that that like it quote unquote rich people should do is so valuable so like investing is one of the areas um that we might be missing out on but in the book you talk about the fact that we have way more control than we think over how we earn spend and save our money what do you think we might be missing when when we look at our finances if we if we don't really feel like we're across this if we've never looked at our money before, we can feel quite powerless when it comes mm. to our finances. But I think once you start to look at things and go, this is where I'm spending my money, but maybe it's not where I want to be spending my money. I think that's a really good first step to just go, where am I spending and where do I want to be spending? Do I want to be supporting different organizations? Do I yeah. want to be using my money in a different way? And even thinking about how can I be kind to my future self? Because yes. it is such a hard balance between enjoying today and putting money aside to look after ourselves in the future. In fact, that's the, one of the biggest reasons that couples fight about money is because there's that tension between using the money right now and putting it aside for a future goal, whether that's paying off debt, saving for a holiday, investing, or putting money aside for retirement. It's that constant trade-off. And I think it makes it really hard because there are so many different options and with social media we're seeing worlds of options that we never mm -hmm. would have come across before so it's sort of coming back to the drawing board and thinking where do I want to allocate my money and maybe yeah. there's only a little bit right now that I can allocate to future me but just creating that habit of putting whether it's five dollars aside this month because that's all that's left over but it's prioritizing your future self as well as your current self and you then slowly start to reframe your point of view as someone who does look after future mm -hmm. you who does look after your money who saves who invests and that's a hard reframe to do if you've never seen yourself that way but it's really important to take that first step because you'll think that you need to sort everything out with your finances overnight you'll think you need to do one of those Hollywood makeovers but in <laughs> fact it's a lot of small steps just consistently for years that really make a massive change over time. And that happens across our career. It happens with our savings. It happens with our habits and our health. It's all those small things we do that add up over time. Yeah, consistency is absolutely key. And then you don't find like, because I think a lot of people, if you're anything like me, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get my finances sorted. And you go headfirst into it and you start like organizing your super. And then you've chosen a new bank account. And you've got to do all that. And then you've like started to invest and you're keeping across of that. And then you think, oh, I just don't have the energy for any of this anymore. And then you lose momentum, right? Whereas I think if motivation and like um, we had a wonderful lady on talking about procrastination and motivation and she made the brilliant point that uh, motivation is something that comes after action so you have to do the thing and then you become more motivated which I guess is um totally relevant for our finances and keeping going and you 
if we want to start using our money, like you said, in a way that actually helps us build the life we want to live rather than chasing our tail and just covering bills each month, you say the foundations are super important. So what what do we need to do to get them solidified and, and what forms those foundations? Like what are the things that are going to be tripping us up from the outset if we don't start there? Yeah, the some of the foundations that are really important to look at include paying off debt. So that is yeah. a really hard one that some people have to overcome quite a significant amount of debt before they can start putting themselves in a better position. But if you reframe the idea of paying off debt in that you're already building really good habits because the money you're putting aside each month to paying off debt, whether it's a credit card or a personal loan or you owe some money to family, that is building a really strong set of habits that you can turn into a savings goal afterwards or you Mm. can turn into an investing goal. So that's one of the foundations Another foundation is building your emergency fund or your F-off fund, as I like to call it. (laughs) Which is so important for women in particular. Absolutely. So this is that money that if you need to leave a bad situation, a really toxic job, if you need to make a last minute trip to see a sick family member, you have money put aside that allows you the freedom because I I can't sort of explain how much freedom having an emergency fund mm-hmm. gives you because I know I've got that couple of thousand dollars set aside in a bank account specifically if I need it, that I can break glass in case of emergency. And that is a really strong foundation for all of the other things I do with my finances because I can and set the rest of your life, goals. right? Yeah. 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 It it gives me freedom and a bit more clarity and control with my career, with my relationships, with travel, knowing I've got that money set aside if something goes wrong. And it frees up a lot of mental space that you need to then do things like investing and focus on the better parts of life. And the other foundation that's really important is just having some basics understanding of finance because there's a a few ways that you can kind of be led astray in the world of investing you might fall prey to a scam you might go after some really glossy new investment that's promising to double your money overnight but uh, doesn't really end up fulfilling that promise because that just really isn't possible so having a basic understanding of the foundations and that's just knowing like What are the concepts of investing and what Mm. are the different investment options, understanding the idea of risk and diversification and that we don't want to put all of our money into the next big stock our brother talked about. So (laughs) just having some of the basics and also giving yourself a bit of a, a why. You won't probably have your plan in place yet. You might not know what your goals are, but just going, I want to invest so I have more control in my future or I want to be able to provide for my family. I'll I want to have freedom over my time. And that gives you a general overarching vision of why you're going to make these choices because you will have to make some trade-offs. You can't prioritize everything at once. So I can't spend all of my money when I receive my paycheck each month if I want to put some money aside for a future travel goal or a future investing goal. So it's good to have a broad view of why you're doing it. So they're my foundations. Other people will have different things that are really essential to get started, but paying off debt, put, getting your emergency funds, so even just a few thousand dollars put aside, having an understanding of the basics so you can better navigate the world of finance and having a why of why you're doing this. Mm. And so when it comes to learning about those basics, where do you recommend going? Because there are so many 
you know, YouTubers, Instagram influencers, people out there who, as soon as you learn a little bit, you're like, you are talking complete BS, right? And it just, as soon as you learn a little bit about finance, you are like, damn, you're a bad person because you know you're leading these people astray and it's not good. So where should we go? Because there are so many places that are, you know, just not great places to learn about money. (laughs) The big thing I'd stick away from is anything that's really time sensitive. So you probably don't want to learn from the latest headlines, the latest new thing, the latest web page. So finding things that have stuck around for a long period of time or really solid books that have been around for a long period of time. Because I find books are quite a great tool. In Australia, The Barefoot Investor has been a fantastic tool for people. The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel really gives you an idea of the why behind finance and long-term investing and compound interest, even things like Money School by Lacey Phillips, um, The Simple Path to Wealth by JL Collins. In Australia, the government has a great financial education website. It is basic, but at least that gives you a foundation that's really unbiased and sort of covers nearly everything. And so that will at least give you a framework to ask better questions on your journey. I mean, there's a lot of different podcasts and resources available. We've got a super regulated financial services industry in Australia compared to other countries. So you might see information from a US provider that's very different to what you could see an Australian Mm. YouTuber providing because there's a different sort of licensing space. But Australian consumers are super protected, which is great. Um, But just reading widely and looking at different sources and not learning just from one person because Whether we're paid to have a bias to one particular investment product or strategy, or it's just our personal preference, because like for me, I've been investing in shares and ETFs for a long period of time, but I'm not really a property investor. So I'm going to be talking more about things that I understand and I know about and I've done. I'm not going to be talking as much about properties. So even if I'm not paid to have a bias, I do have a bias. So Mm -hmm. if you are really interested in property, you'd be looking for different platforms out there. And there's plenty of great options. So I think reading widely, asking lots of questions and just getting curious and understanding how people are paid and incentives is often a good way to sort of unravel what you want to find out and where people are coming from. Mm, Absolutely. And you mentioned property there. I guess there is this opinion, um, particularly, I guess, among uh, young people, I guess it's throughout all of Australian culture in particular, is like, if if you're not saving up to buy a house... You're, you're doing a bit crap with your money when, like you said, there are so many other options and other reasons why that might not be the best investment for you, right? Yeah, and you, it's understandable. Property, many people have done well with property. Our parents, our grandparents yeah. understand it. I can go and touch the wall of an office building. I can touch the wall of an apartment <laughs> and it just, it makes more sense. I think we feel really comfortable with it. We're used to it and it doesn't seem like it needs a lot of work to figure out. In fact, there's a lot of costs involved with property we don't talk about. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things that can go wrong. As my mum's always told me, if you need a bit of extra cash, you can't just sell the bathroom. Um, so there's, there's <laughs> good point, to be mom. mindful for there. And also, I think we sometimes end up working towards a property goal where maybe that's not what we want to work towards just mm. because it doesn't seem as cool to post on social media that maybe we just bought $5,000 of shares, rather <laughs> it, it's quite cool to stand in front of a sold sign. So sometimes we end up following 
society's goals and not our own goals, but there are plenty of other ways and proven ways you can build wealth over time. One resource that's great to check out is the Vanguard Asset Class Chart, and they're a huge global provider of investment options. And they have these charts that show you how different asset classes like property in Australia and overseas, cash, Australian companies, US companies have performed over time. And so that's a really interesting one. So you can see what are the different options available. And even I like to remind people that they're superannuation. You are probably already an investor, especially if you have money invested for retirement because they invest money for you. And so that is a good place to start by going, okay, I am an investor. I've got money being put aside every month and going, well, what is it invested in? And start Mm -hmm. asking questions because you'll be able to see a breakdown and you'll go, okay, some of my money for retirement is invested in US companies and some of it's invested in office blocks and some of it's invested in water rights, like all sorts of different things. And I think just starting to ask questions, starting to look a little bit beneath the surface and just keeping at it. It might seem really overwhelming at the start, but if you put aside 10 or 20 minutes each week and say, this is my time, I'm going to put some work in for future me. And once you've got that knowledge, it's yours for life. No one can take away your financial education. If you're looking for other simple shifts to boost your life this new year, when it comes to healthy eating, you foods could well be the answer you're looking for. They take the mental load out of meal prepping and deliver gourmet, nutritionally balanced meals, fresh, never frozen right to your door. All you do is hop online and choose what you like the look of from over 60 meals that are constantly being tweaked and added to so they're more delicious than ever before. That means you're left with more time to sort out those important tasks in your life. Make sure to use my code HELPFUL, H-E-L-P-F-U-L, for up to $200 off your first five boxes. Um, how, so, you know, we we often talk about these long-term goals, you know, owning stocks or um, buying a house or just paying off your debt or, you know, whatever it might be, or, you know, make, building your savings. How often should we be checking in and reassessing that goal? And how can we make sure that we're kind of keeping on track with that rather than just it being some vague pipe dream that we think, oh, eventually I'll do that. Yeah. I mean, if it depends, if it's a a goal, like you want to invest your first thousand dollars, um, or you want to build up your investment portfolio to $10,000, that goal is good, but it also is not super actionable. And if you're new to investing, there's a lot of steps you're going to have to take before you get to that point. So Mm -hmm. what I like to do is Yes, you've got that big goal to start with, but you want to be able to break it down into lots of smaller steps and work backwards and figure out, well, what are all of the different things I'm going to have to do to get to $10,000 invested? Like, firstly, I'm going to have to figure out, well, what is investing and what I want to invest in? I'm going to have to open an account to invest. So I'm probably going to need to leave some time to try a few different options and see what's right for me. I'm going to have to put in some time to figure out what my investment strategy is and what my budget is and do I actually have some money to put aside each month and can I start to automate that? So it might sound really overwhelming, but if you break that big goal of having $10,000 invested into 
10 or 20 different little steps and give yourself a time frame, then it suddenly makes it a lot more achievable because a lot of us go into the new year thinking, I want to sort out my finances this year. And then a few months down the track, we haven't really done anything because it is a big goal. It's overwhelming. And there's so many different things that go into that. So whether it's just if your goal is right now, sort out my finances next year, get better with money, can you break that down into 12 mini goals? And maybe month one, it is just review my budget and sort of set that up for the year. Month two, it could be sorting out your superannuation, like jumping on, finding Mm. out the logins, because that's a barrier for a lot of people (laughs) just getting in there. I've helped quite a few friends sort of finally track down You're a good person, Kate. things like that. <laughs> Maybe the next month it's jumping onto Energy Made Easy and finding a better deal on your energy providers. So just breaking down the get better I with like money, that. start investing into lots of smaller pieces, giving it a time frame, automating what you can because willpower is finite. So mm-hmm. if you can use your bank to your advantage, if you can use your bill provider to your advantage, automate things, take off that mental stress And if you can find someone to help you on that journey, whether it's in a friend that wants to sort out their finances as well, and you can check in each month over a coffee and just sort of say, this is where I got stuck. How did you go? Here's what you learned. I mean, I had a really great story of one of the events we did this year and three older women had realized, why don't we know about finances? Why aren't we investing? Mm -hmm. We should be investing. We're smart people. And they had decided to sort of form a little group together where they checked in each fortnight and they'd each set itself, each set themselves little tasks to do and they'd come back and share the learning with the group so they didn't have to figure out everything on their own. And that was really helping them and keep going. I love it. I absolutely love it. That's fantastic. Um, and so do you say there are some behavioral traps that might be keeping us stuck um, when it comes to money? What are they? One of the biggest ones that comes up time and time again with our finance community is analysis paralysis. And Mm -hmm. you might have come across this when you're just sort of scrolling on Netflix with a friend trying to pick a show to watch (laughs) and oh, this person's tried this show already and didn't like it. And oh no, I watched that movie two months ago or oh, the rating's not really good with that. Like we can get stuck going for 30 minutes before making a decision. And that happens with our finances as well and any choice we have to make. In fact, once we have about three options, the more options we have on top of that, we really don't get very much better at making a decision. So it's thinking about how can I stop getting stuck in that mental trap? Mm -hmm. And it's really hard. But I really challenge you, if you're getting stuck, maybe trying to choose a bank account because you're trying to choose a high interest savings account to start putting your money aside in this year. Well, narrow it down to three options. Give yourself a set time frame, so two weeks, that you try each one, you know the features, you've got your pros and cons for that, and then by the end of that fortnight, you have to make a decision. Love it. And you have to enact that decision because the great thing, a lot of financial decisions, they're not... Uh, be or end all. So if you don't like that bank account after a few months, you can then switch to another option, but you really need to narrow it down to sort of three good choices, research them, give them a go, make a decision and make sure you put a time frame. If you can get a friend to hold you accountable, even better. But that's a, one of the reasons why we can stop um, stop ourselves before we even get started because we get stuck trying to pick the perfect investment to start with instead mm-hmm. of just going, okay, I'm going to 
try one of these micro investing apps. I'm going to put $5 aside and I'm going to learn from there and use that to build my confidence because we got, get in that trap where we have to feel like we have to be super confident before we take that first step. And that usually doesn't happen. And so we build our confidence by taking that first step and you start small and you just keep building up from there. Yeah, I really like that. And you can see how you could break that down across the rest of the year. You know, like those examples you gave, like one month, you're going to sort out your super. Next month, you're going to sort out your bank account and stop paying those bloody fees that they make you pay. You should not be paying fees. Right? It winds (laughs) me up. Right? You should not. Absolutely not be paying fees. Um, So like, you know, I can see then how that will become much more approachable. And especially, you know, when we're looking into the beginning of the year, it's a great time to just spend... 10 20 minutes just break that down for each month and what you want to tackle and that's makes it so much more achievable and way less um overwhelming i really like that and you say one of the other things that we should be doing is thinking about the way we spend our time when we're thinking about our money how do they play together yeah i think we often once we get started sorting out our finances we get really focused on how to save money and yeah. what the strategy we want and putting things aside for the future but then sometimes we can forget about our time because we don't get that back yes. and so thinking about how can i optimize my life now and in the future because there might be something that you can do in your 20s and 30s you might be able to do a a hike or an adventurous activity or your hostel backpacking trip across europe that you might not really want to do in your 70s and so even Mm -hmm. if you've got lots of money in your 70s you wouldn't have maybe the time or the resources to do that so when you're thinking about what are my priorities this year what are my priorities over the next sort of few years using time as a decision making tool as well and factoring that in and thinking about how can I use my time a bit better and Mm -hmm. tying that in with your financial decisions Um, and that's sort of something we might be we might spend half a day trying to find a better deal but we only save $30 and so we've suddenly wasted half a day of our life so I think it's important to also give your time value and not see it as something that you can just keep wasting Uh, because we only get one life we have this really great opportunity and there are lots of reasons why that we can use our time to actually boost our happiness because we often think that we need to spend a lot of money to increase our happiness. We need to go to Europe. We need to buy that next item. But if we use our time to spend time (laughs) with our friends and family, that actually is the greatest booster for our happiness. It is the quality of our relationships long-term. So if you are looking at a calendar thinking about, well, are there any things in the next month I've got booked in with friends and family? Do I have any time to go for a walk with them, to have a coffee, to make dinner at home? Because these are the biggest contributors to our happiness, but we often forget to prioritize them because they don't seem like the most important things until we get to the end of our life. And then we regret that we didn't spend enough time with our friends and family. Totally. And I think so often when we think about money, we only think about like sacrifice and saving and not spending money and not going out when actually, you know, if you get that money mindset right, it can be a real gift to yourself because when you're making your money work harder, you've got more time to do those things that we absolutely love. I always think about the time, um, like the time money trade too. Like I always see that if you can spend money on getting your time back, I see that as a massive benefit. And I know that's a privilege, you know, it's not always possible possible but for example we used to have a little house um rented with a 
big garden and my god the garden was a pain in my ass but spending fifty dollars every fortnight for a gardener to come in and i would get four hours of my life back was such a good investment for me so i think to think about money in that way too and the fact that you can use it as a tool to get more time and create the life you want is so important yeah no there are so many things that we can do with our money that we might not even realize to boost our happiness and that's sort of the the theme of the book because while we can't just go to the supermarket and buy happiness from the store, there are actually ways we can use our money in, even if it's just small ways to boost our happiness. And that might just be spending some time or money on someone else that is proven to give us a happiness boost. And that might just be shouting a friend a coffee or having someone over for afternoon tea. They don't have to be really expensive things. And I think that's often the trap. And if we can buy some of our time back, if we're in the position, if we really hate doing our taxes and we're in the position to pay for an accountant instead of spending 10 hours agonizing over (laughs) if we've got it right in the system, then like that's something I personally do. I buy back some hours of my life and give myself a lot less stress by paying for an accountant. And that's one way that we can give ourselves a happiness boost, take some stress off our plate and just really enjoy the time we have a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the other things, you know, that people say, oh, I'm not going to buy that coffee out the house this week because, you know, I'm going to put it on some savings or, you know, I'm, you know, we spend all our money on avocado toast <laughs> when in actual fact, like sometimes the little treats are what bring us joy. And if we, I sometimes think particularly as women, we're told, you know, oh, you got to save everything, save all your money, don't spend it. Where if we actually spent that time and energy in learning to invest or finding out if we want to start investing in property like that would be a better use of our time do you think that's true yeah I think that's really the trap I have collected a lot of finance and investing books over the years and many of the books written by women aimed at women do focus more on budgeting and saving Mm -hmm. which are important pieces of the puzzle but if we neglect thinking about investing and talking about that with our sisters and our mothers and our daughters and our friends and family, then that's sort of leaving half the equation off the the, the board. And that's a really important piece that if we can invest, we can provide for ourselves in our future, we can look after our friends and family, we can support our community because we've got our oxygen mask on first. And also our career. Often if we spend the same amount of time we spent trying to save money this year, investing in upskilling ourselves, learning how to negotiate our salary, putting together a file of all the awesome stuff we've done for the company this year and all the great feedback we've got. So we've got a solid case for a pay rise. That could also be a much better use of our time. So I do think saving and budgeting are really important and they're really foundational because you do need some money to start investing, but also thinking about, well, how can I focus on the future, whether it's increasing my income, starting a business, starting to invest in shares or exchange traded funds or property. That's a really important thing to spend some time doing as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. And so if investing forms a big part of this, you know, helping our money uh, to create the life that we want to live where do you recommend we start if we've kind of got that we've gone away and we've learned a little bit about it and we're ready to put some money in the game what's the best strategy for starting to invest one of the easiest ways for people to get started now is by using exchange traded funds and so if you're not familiar with it it's like a box of Cadbury favorites so (laughs) instead of having to go to the supermarket and 
decide, oh, do I want the crunchy or do I want the cherry ripe or do I just want normal chocolate? You actually can just buy the box that's pre-filled, pre-decided, and you get a bit of everything. And so if I apply that to like a US S&P 500 ETF, instead of having to pick if I want Disney or Tesla or Apple, I can just buy an ETF that puts all of those companies in it for me. And so while I might not shoot the lights out, I'm not going to do really badly. I'm just going to get the average market return. And so that is a tool that has helped millions of investors take that first step because it is very hard to pick the next big thing when it comes to a company um, or another type of investment. So you can just invest in the market. You can invest in the companies that are growing and developing, hiring people, uh, creating jobs, creating products, and uh, doing great things in most cases in the countries that we live in. And so you can use ETFs, these boxes, these baskets, whatever you want to call it, they just invest for you. So you do have to do a little bit of research to pick which boxes you want to buy. But once you do that, you only need a handful to form a portfolio. And so I mean, I've got some great resources on the podcast. We've done an ETF mini series in the past where we break it all down and how to invest, but they're a really helpful tool to start with. Keeping in mind that all investing involves risk, it isn't something I do overnight. Uh, When I talk about investing, I'm thinking five to 10 years at minimum in the future because investing is something that you need to think about as a long-term activity. And you can build wealth over time, but time is a really important thing there. And then you also will need to think about a brokerage account. So you're going to need, there needs to be a middle person involved when you want to buy and sell different investments. So, um, I mean, I can give you a link that if you want to share with your listeners, Ed, um, but there's plenty of resources out there. Again, this is where choice can become really overwhelming because there are different ETFs available and there are different brokerage accounts available. And that means there's competition and that means there's different prices and different products that suit different people. But at the end of the day, personal finance is super personal. And what works for me is probably going to not work for you, Ed, and not work for anyone listening because we're all doing different things with our money. We have different goals. We have different Um, tolerances for risk. I might be Mm. really comfortable seeing my money swing up and down on a daily basis. And you might go, I want to sort of step it back a little bit. I want to be a little bit more moderate with the way I invest because I'm new, I'm sort of finding my feet. And so that is fantastic that there are so many resources available. So I'll include a few for you to put um, in the show notes, but that will hopefully give people a starting point to do their research. And so I guess one of the other traps that we sometimes fall into, like if we've got, if we've managed to pay off our debts and then we've built a little bit of money up and we've got like a nice little chunk of savings. And I guess if we've, we've got our money uh, tucked away that we kind of want to access quickly if we need that emergency fund. But then the rest of that money, often we just leave it sat in a bank account. And that's not making us any money. It's actually costing us money, right? How bad is it to just leave our money sat in a bank account? Yeah, a lot of people don't realize there's a risk even leaving your money in something safe like a bank account because over time, I mean, I was having a look the other day and 10 years ago in Melbourne, Australia, the price of a coffee was $3.50. And now the price of the coffee is at least five or six dollars. And that's because prices have inflated over time. And that's a normal part of the economy. But it really gives you an incentive to do something 
with your money because if you leave it in the bank account, chances are you lose purchasing power over time. So your $10 today won't buy as much at the supermarket in 10 years' time. And that's why you always hear the stories of like, Back in my day, I could buy an ice cream for five cents because <laughs> I bought this house true. for $10. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so one of the reasons that it is important to consider investing and it's why the government in Australia forces people to invest for their retirement is because their money can grow over time so they can continue to be able to purchase things in the future. Mm, yeah, I think that's really valuable because I think a lot of the time, you know, if we saved up like 10 grand or whatever, which is a huge amount of money or, you know, even a couple of thousand dollars, you just leave it sat in a bank account is just not doing anything for you and could be doing so much for you. Such great tips. If we are just start, starting out of this and we want to learn to invest our time and our money better to boost our happiness and, you know, it's a, a, a neglected area of our life. What's the one thing you want us to remember, Kate? One of the biggest things I really hope that people get out of this is that it's really okay to start talking about money. We often haven't had the mm. language or the words to have those conversations before. So even if it's a bit awkward, I really encourage you to find a friendly face, whether it's a friend or family member, to just slowly start having these conversations. And you can start small. You can start talking about, oh, I found this way to save money or this is a goal I'm working towards. And then you can grow from there because there are so many things that you'll realize that you don't know about money, but that are fantastic things to know, whether it's to do with sorting out your superannuation and making sure you have a really solid retirement, even though that might feel like it's a really long time away, or strategies to approach a salary negotiation. It's often mm. once you start having these conversations that you discover more of the things that you can learn about and grow and try on your own journey. So it might feel awkward, but I really encourage you to start having these conversations. If you can't have them in your own life, listen to podcasts like the Australian Finance Podcast where you can hear these conversations happening in the background and just slowly start to put yourself in places where people are talking about money, people are talking about building wealth, people are talking about using your resources intentionally, that's your time and your money, your career, all of those sort of things, and where people just make it okay to, to want a bit more out of your finances, to want a bit more out of your life. Totally, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for chatting with us. I really appreciate it, Kate. Thanks for having me, Ed. Kate Campbell is the author of Buying Happiness and the host of the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm going to put the link to her book and her podcast in the show notes so that you can check out her work and find out more because this is definitely going to be a focus for me in 2024. I know you're going to want that help. Don't forget that this episode was brought to you by You Foods, our lovely friends over there. If you're looking to get more time in the new year and you want to take off that mental load of choosing what's for bloody dinner every night and making it healthy, they could well be the answer you're looking for. Make sure to use my code HELPFUL, H-E-L-P-F-U-L, for up to $200 off your first five boxes. If you haven't already, please leave me a review wherever you're listening. And I just want to let you know that the podcast is now on YouTube. So if you like watching along and seeing our happy faces chatting, check us out on YouTube. You can find the link on my Instagram or just Google That's Helpful YouTube and you'll find me and my little smiling face over there. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. I'm going to catch you next time. I'm Ed Stott. I sincerely hope that's helpful.